for the reading of the word and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 24. 2 Samuel chapter 24. <clears throat> I'm going to read verses 10 through 17. 2 Samuel 24 verse 10 through verse 17. And David's heart smote him after that he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. For when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say unto David, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So Gad came to David and told him, and said unto him, Shall seven years of famine come unto thee in thy land? Or wilt thou flee three months before thine enemies while they pursue thee? Or that there be three days pestilence in thy land? Now advise and see what answer I shall return to him that sent me. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great, and let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning even to the time appointed, and there died of the people from Dan even to Beersheba 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed the people, It is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing place of Arunah, the Jebusite. And David spake unto the Lord when he saw the angel that smote the people and said, Lo, I have sinned, and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, be against me and against my father's house. There's a scripture, you don't have to turn there, but it's the 23rd Psalm. It begins like this, the words of David, The Lord is my shepherd. I want to preach a little bit about the shepherd's heart. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the blessing of God, the mercies of the Lord, and we ask that you would speak into our lives and help us that we may know the mind of Christ. Speak into our lives today. We ask in Jesus' name, release the Holy Ghost and the Word with liberty. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. Praise God. Amen. It was um, a very uh, interesting uh, passage of Scripture that we can read 
when we turn to the scripture in Second uh, Samuel and we begin to look at what uh, uh, the Bible shares with us towards the end of, of David's life. It's nearing the end of his life, and David has established the kingdom with the help of God. <clears throat> he has overcome many enemies, and he has fought many battles, and he has seen the establishment of the kingdom of Israel in a time when there was much <clears throat> turmoil, when the previous uh, king uh, Saul was one that seemed to have one thing in mind, and that was uh, uh, to to go and to destroy David. But God spared David, and and now uh, David has been king for uh, close to forty years. Ended up being forty years, <clears throat> but uh, as he does so. He is near the end of that time frame. And the Bible tells us in this, uh, in this last chapter of the, uh, uh, of the uh, book of Second uh, Samuel, and it begins uh, with these words. It says, again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he moved David uh, against them. Uh, he moved David uh, uh, against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. When you read this and you compare it in note to uh, sort of the chronological order from a different writer's hand, and, and it, it sometimes brings out uh, uh, details that you don't see in the other. And First uh, Chronicles 21 and 1 tells it this way, and Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Uh, it's possibly like Job in the scripture. The Lord allowed Satan to do this, to tempt David. You recall how that the Lord said, Hast thou considered my servant Job? And then Satan shows up and begins to do the things uh, that the Lord had permitted him to do so. <clears throat> it wasn't God doing the evil, but it was God allowing Satan to come up and to tempt David. Now, the Bible lets us know that God knows all things. He knows the heart. How many knows that God knows our hearts? There's nothing hid from him. Uh, we are uh, as naked before him. He knows everything about us. And, and uh, the scripture, again, I read to you from Second Samuel. Again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go and number Israel and Judah. And so uh, he calls for the captain of his guard, uh, of his army, uh, Joab, they came, and and, he, and the, the various uh, leaders, the captains of thousands, um, uh, and uh, the different uh, uh, hosts, uh, they came and they stood in the presence of the king. And, and the Bible says that uh, uh, he obviously said to them, I want you to go and I want you to count. I want you to take a census. And I want you to go and to do this. And, and uh, Joab begins immediately to protest this in some fashion. And, uh, you know, I, I want to see our kingdom multiplied a hundred times. Uh, but why are you doing this? And But the word of the king 
prevailed against Joab and against the captains that may have resisted this, and so they left. It was something that took several months, and and, uh, after uh, some months, they came back. Now, when you, I want to just slow down just a little bit and just share with you um, uh, that first it is clear that unlike the census of Moses uh, in Numbers uh, chapter 1, this did not come at the command of God. Amen. But Second uh, Samuel 24, uh, 1 in the New King James Version reads like this, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel and he moved David uh, against them. Uh, this must be harmonized with First Chronicles chapter 21, which I shared, which says Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So how can both statements be correct? It must be understood in terms of what God allowed Satan to do. Amen. And so not direct action on the part of God. But Satan is allowed just like when he brought trials upon Job. God had said to Satan, he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. And uh, the same word is used in Second Samuel 24, 1, moved, uh, and Job 2 and 3, incited. Uh, and although one concerns God and David and the other Satan and God, it is interesting because of what is demonstrated. In God's own words, Satan incited God to destroy Job, but God did not act directly. He allowed Satan to act, and God speaks of this allowance as his own action. In the same way, God allowed Satan to act to move David. Amen. And 2 Samuel 24, 1 speaks of God's allowance. As God's action. And if this is the only factor we see. That David did not act by the command of God. But he acted presumptuously to take this action. And and the text does not really identify David's motive. And there may be some inference if uh, that this was for military or political reasons. But why would this be an offense to God. Why would it be an offense when you say he wanted to number the people? We number our folks on Sunday morning. How many was here? And, and uh, the Bible says in uh, Acts chapter 2 that, uh, you know, or Acts chapter 1 that there was about 120 that was in the upper room. So we know that numbers is not uh, an offense to God to know it. But uh, uh, there is a principle that runs throughout God's covenant with Israel. It concerning the issue of numbers as it reflects trust 
in God. Amen. And, and uh, the, the scripture lets us know that there was a reason for these things. When God sent Gideon to lead the Israelites, he declared in Judges 7 to the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me. Mine own hand has saved me. David, as a young man, understood this, and he told Goliath, he said, The Lord does not save with spear and with sword, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. It may be that David, in his old age, has either forgotten this or lost the same faith in God he had as a young man. It's important that we understand that David now is looking at an established kingdom. It's almost as if he's able to sit down in his chair and and just excel and relax and rest for a moment. Say, hey, how, how good have we done? Somebody go count the people and let's see how strong we are now. And and in a moment like that, it's easy to forget what got you there. It's easy to forget how you came. It's easy to forget where you came from. It's easy to forget. The Lord had said in the Old Testament when the children of Israel prior to their entering into the promised land, there was one thing he did not want them to forget and that was when you get into houses that you didn't build and you're looking at vineyards you didn't plant and God gives you cities and he gives it to you. He runs the inhabitants out. Don't you forget that I was the one that gave it to you. Don't you forget uh, there was a time you lived in tents in a wilderness, uh, but God brought you across a Red Sea and He planted you where you're at. Oh, how important it is that we don't forget. It's something that we have to do when we're, we don't have anything and you're th- saying, Oh, God, help me. I, I don't know how the answer is going to come, but I'm here to tell you uh, the answer did come and the answer is going to keep coming uh, because I serve a God that can this morning. I think you ought to clap your hands to the Lord for his goodness. And so I'm preaching to you something about the shepherd's heart. Um, The Bible says that in this time when David sent them out and they came back with the report, um, the Bible lets us know that there was something that happened to him. Uh, And the Bible says that David's heart, uh, David's heart uh, smote him after he had numbered the people. Uh, And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done and now I beseech thee O Lord take away the iniquity of thy servant for I have done very foolishly and you know what the Lord was prepared for this amen and he sent to Gad who was a prophet the Bible says that he spoke to Gad and and told him he says you go tell David I'm going to give you a choice of three You choose what it will be. He says, these three things are simply this. Number one, shall seven years of famine come into thy land? Or will thou flee three months from enemies that are going to pursue you? 
Or shall there be three days of pestilence that will come into that land? Now advise and see what answer I shall return to him that sent me. And so the prophet comes and he tells David, what do you want? You want the first door? You want the second door? Or you want the third door? Which answer do you want? You choose, it's yours. And David, he thinks about it. And the Bible says, he says, I'm in a great strait. I'm, I'm in a fix. I'm between a rock and a hard place. I don't know what I should do, but let me just fall into the hand of the Lord. For his mercies are great. Don't let me fall into the hand of man. And so God chose. <clears throat> he decided number three. I'm going to give them three days of pestilence to come their way. And so the Bible sent a pestilence <clears throat> upon Israel from the morning even to the time appointed. And there died of the people from Dan even to Beersheba, <clears throat> 70,000 men. When the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem, to destroy it. The Lord said that's enough. That's enough. Stop right there. And so he, he stopped. And that's when David saw him. David saw the angel of the Lord. He was by Aruna the Jebusite. And uh, at the threshing place there. And David spake unto the Lord. And this is where I got my text. <clears throat> when he saw the angel that smote the people. And he said, Lo, I have sinned and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? What have they done? I give a little bit of emotion and tone in my voice because I don't think David just said, Oh, man, I've sinned. What about these poor sheep? I don't think that was it at all. I think there was something to it. One time I heard J.T. Pugh preaching about David. And when his son Absalom died, he heard the news of Absalom. He said, my son, my son, oh, my son Absalom. Uh, some people don't understand that oh was from deep within his soul. Oh, my son, Absalom, he mourned. It was something from deep within him. And now I see something about this man, this king, the one that the Bible lets us know. He was a man after God's own heart. The scripture lets us know that he said, Lo, I have sinned. And I have done wickedly. He looks because of his demanding go count. Go count. It was many times if you look at this, it's almost as if it is appearing to come out of a prideful mindset. Let me see where we stand. Let me see how good we are. Let me see how we are strong today. And the Lord said, you need to trust me. Why is it that God would allow there to 
be a man like Gideon that had 32,000 men for an army and reduce it to the size of 300. That, my friend, is disaster until you look and say it's all about him. It's not about our strength and our ability or anything that we have. I'm preaching this morning that that's where David was when he realized, oh, these people have died. There are husbands that have died. There are fathers that are not going back home. Seventy thousand have died in a three-day span. Oh, friend, I tell you, when you reach a place like that, suddenly he realizes it could have been me. It should have been been me. And so he says these words, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, be against me and against my father's house. It is this place to where he recognizes I have sinned, I have done wrong, and I'm the one that should suffer. The scripture lets us know that David, the one I'm speaking of, says the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He was a man of understanding. Hear this, the scripture lets us know in 1 Samuel 13 and 14, when Samuel was talking to Saul, and when he was telling him of the demise that was about to come upon him, and even beginning then, he said, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. He said, there's somebody coming after you that's a man after God's own heart. And I'm here to tell you that was David. You know it was David. And we get glimpses every once in a while of what it is. It wasn't that David was a perfect man and without sin. But even in that time when he was troubled by what wrong he had done, there was something that made him look out upon the people as he looked at them and he said, but these sheep, they were more than just cohorts. They weren't just taxpayers. They weren't just people to come and bow before him and be at his whim of whatever he commanded them to do. He said, no, I've got a shepherd's heart. I've got a heart that says these sheep have to be protected and I'm going to call upon you and I'll take their punishment because Lord, they're sheep and they need to be protected. Can you say Man, Jesus said this in John 10 and verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Peter wrote about it in 1 Peter 2 and 25. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and Bishop of your souls. Oh, hear me. We live in a day today when people are so selfish. They are so selfish. They won't take responsibility for what God has given them of their own flesh and blood. I have seen people through the years that have come. I need this or I need that or my children are indeed. And yet I see them and they're carrying a, a, a very expensive 
expensive phone and 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 they they made sure that they paid their cable uh, they made sure that they paid for their Netflix uh, they made sure of that but they didn't make sure uh, that the babies uh, had milk uh, they didn't make sure that they the babies had diapers uh, and they're coming uh, thinking well I can't get mercy for my Netflix and I can't get mercy for my phone or I can't get mercy for my cable bill uh, but I can find mercy for my children because they know somebody looks and says you can't let that happen to a child you can't let it happen oh friend I'm here to tell somebody amen thank God there was a shepherd one day that looked upon us and said I can't let them die without an opportunity I'm going to take my own life and I'm going to lay it down and I'm going to give what is that that my friend is the good shepherd somebody ought to shout hallelujah this morning hallelujah thank god for his blessing when you got the right heart it'll make you make the right decision in the right time because you care you care you care that's where david was i think of solomon david's son when he became the king he was known for the great wisdom that god had give him he walked in that David even recognized it as so and told him that you're a wise man. And and David appointed him to be the king before his passing. And, and, and Solomon had a challenge not long after. There was uh, two women, two women that each had a baby. They each had a child, a young child. And uh, they they slept with the child and they both slept that night. One of them woke up and woke up. Maybe it was, she thought, I need to check on my baby. And, and she checked, uh, the baby didn't move. And, and she got up in the night and she held that child and realized the child was dead. And, and when it came light, daylight, she looked and she said, this isn't my baby. This is her baby. She's got my baby. And she said, what have you done during the night? Your baby died. And while I slept, you switched childs and gave me your dead child. And that's mine. She said, oh, no, no, no. This is my baby. That's your baby. And she said, let's go to the king. And the Bible says they went before the king and they told the king just what I told you. And Solomon looked, and that wasn't what you couldn't draw a blood sample. You couldn't go and take a, friend, a thumbprint, and you, you couldn't prove like that. And so Solomon is looking at the situation. And as he stood there, and this lady is holding the dead baby, she says, it's not hers. And she's looking at the woman that's holding the live baby, and this woman says, that's my baby. He says, oh, he says, okay, I know how to settle this. He said, uh, would you bring the sword, sir, and that baby that's alive, cut it in two and give half to her and half to her. And he waited. And the mama over here, she says, no, give it to her. Don't kill my baby. This woman says, yeah, go ahead. Cut it in two. Separate Give us half and half. 
Solomon says, take the baby and give it to her. It belongs to her. Very very simple. He said, this is the one. I'm talking about the heart of a shepherd. That was the heart of a mother. The mother says, I would rather the baby live somewhere else where it's being fed. Somewhere else where it's being taken care of. Somewhere else where someone cares enough rather than kill it as such. I tell you, there are some times that there is such a mindset amongst leaders. I have seen them stand up and they have been at the mindset, I tell you, I'd rather somebody go to hell than to, uh, than, than to not do something that I say. Something in the effect that they don't care what others think. Uh, it's my way or the highway. I'm telling you, when someone loves, they'll nurture, they'll pray, they'll be loving, they'll be kind, they'll do everything they can to try to save the soul. It doesn't mean that they're perfect in every way, but I'm talking about the shepherd's heart. I'm talking about a shepherd's heart. Amen. There are shepherds. Amen. God gives us shepherds amongst us. He gives you a shepherd's heart when you care First of all, for your family, amen, for others that you're reaching out to. You're not at the place to where you want to prove any point. Oh, God, help us that we have the right mindset. I heard T.F. Tenney talk about what does God do when he looks down and says, where am I going to give revival? Am I going to give it over here where they're going to just hoard it all to themselves and say it's all for us and it's not for anybody else? He says, uh, who am I going to give the revival to? They all believe the same thing. But how are they going to treat those babies? How are they going to treat those sheep? Amen. Or is it one of those churches that's going to embrace, that's going to have revival and say, hey, I'm going to do everything I can to be a blessing in every way that I can. Amen. You might get saved here. You might live for God somewhere else. But the important thing is, is that we never lose the true motivation that God is on our side and he will help you he'll deliver you he will set you free is somebody hearing me this morning I'm telling you it is the will of God for a church to have revival but it's also the will of God for us to shout hallelujah and slap our leg and say thank you Jesus they're having revival and they're having revival we don't scorn what another one has but we bless them Somebody say amen. The church should always be. Could you turn this down just a little bit? The church should always be of a persuasion. Thank you. The church should always be of a persuasion that we are always in the mind that we want to be a blessing. Amen. The church needs to be about. The church is a place of nurturing, of raising up leaders, of raising up workers. First of all, 
in the kingdom, in the church. We need it. Amen. We're blessed. I was this morning as we were sitting in the breakfast room and I was sitting at the table with Brother Gordon. He's here this morning as security. He comes on the Sundays. He does security. Otherwise, he goes to Monroe City, our daughter work. Amen. But Brother Gordon was here this morning. We were sitting at the table eating breakfast and as we were sitting there, I saw Sister Tanya Gilbert walk by and she's carrying bags and books and she's got all kinds of things. I said, ah, I said, she's a teacher now. Amen. Such a blessing, such a turnaround, such a blessing to the church. I love watching that, how people pray through, get the Holy Ghost. Amen. Get baptized. God makes a change in their life and pretty soon you see them active. You see them active in the work. Do you realize we ate breakfast this morning and guess who cooked that breakfast, Sister Debbie? Amen. It was Brother Sonny back here. Anybody enjoying those breakfasts? We always did when Sister Debbie did, but I'm enjoying it even more now. Not against you, but because I'm seeing the new ones that God is bringing into the church and they're getting active in the kingdom. You hear me now. They start here. Amen. They're blessed here. But what if God takes someone like Sister Andy and takes them down in Southern Illinois? What if God takes someone like Sister Emily and takes them down in Southeast Missouri? What if God takes someone like Sister Victoria and makes her a pastor's wife and she's down in, in advance? What if that happens? You say, I want to hold on to them. Yes, I would love to, but you know what? God is using the church not for us to hoard to ourselves and say, let's build our kingdom. Look how great we are, but it's for the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you when you give out, God's going to give you back two more. He's going to bless you more. He's going to give you even more than what you gave out. It's because God is in the business of looking to say, let me be the one that directs. You just do what I tell you to do. You just trust me in all those things. I'll be a blessing. I want to be a blessing. Somebody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When Jesus, when Jesus was on that cross, he looked down. He looked down and it could only be someone that loved enough that would say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Amen. For they know not what they do. There was a man that was on a cross beside him. He wanted the mercies of the Lord. He wanted the mercies of God. Remember me. Remember me. He said, this day, you're going to be with me in paradise. This day. Amen. Oh, does that sound like, does that sound like us? Are we saying that also? Are we saying, I want to be a blessing? Listen to this man. Listen to this one on the, in the middle on the cross. He says, this day, this day, amen. It's not, well, if I can't go, nobody goes. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I can't do it, nobody's going to do it. 
Oh, if I, if I can't be blessed, uh, nobody's going to be blessed. It's all about ourselves. We take offense and we'll build up bridges and we'll close doors and all of that. I'm telling you, whatever walks in the door, we need to make it welcome. Whatever walks through the door, amen, we need to remember it's God that looked down. And he says the Lord was seeking a man after his own heart. And he found one by the name of David. But you see, it was a man after his own heart. The Lord already knew his heart, his own heart, God's heart, amen. And then it was exemplified later in Jesus. But when I look at Jesus and I see he's called the good shepherd, when I look at Jesus and I see the one that was the shepherd and the bishop of your souls, he's the shepherd. And what he's doing is looking down and saying, I took the, your place. When I saw what was coming to you, you I said, no, stop it. Don't let it go any further. Provide them opportunity. I've given them a bridge. I've given them salvation. I've given them a cross. I've given them my blood. It's the shepherd's heart. Aren't you glad Jesus did that for you and me? Aren't you glad he did it enough for us that we can be transformed and made new? I'm telling you, we serve a God that is on our side. Hallelujah. Elijah, please come. Amen. We serve a God that is on our side. He's the one that can. David saying, let this punishment be on me. Let it be on me. I'm, I'm sorry I did that. I have sinned against my Lord. I have done that. When we read that, we don't always understand. We don't relate to the census part. We don't relate to that. What's wrong with counting the people? It wasn't a sin of knowing numbers. It was a sin of putting your trust in your numbers and not in God. It was a sin of not putting your trust in Him and knowing Him. God can do it. He can take care of you. He can take care of you. What is it that your need is this morning? Are you in a place where you're looking at, if it's not numbers, it's reports. It's health concerns. It's bank accounts. It's looking at the futures, the predictions of supposedly smart people. Sometimes we bury ourselves too much in the news media and we depend on them to shape our thinking. It's the distractions that are around us, Brother John. It's the distractions of the noise. Oh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with you. Keep following him. Don't be distracted by that that jalopy that's pulled up beside you about to fall apart. You're doing all right. Keep following him. Keep following Jesus. And if you wasn't in the adult Sunday school class, you don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm telling you, that was such a good illustration Brother Trimble gave this morning. Keep following Jesus. What a great God I serve. What a great God he's for me. 
He's not against me. He's for me. So don't be distracted by those things. He's going to bring you through. Keep doing the right thing. Keep following him. Keep following him. I, I saw, and maybe you've heard it, it, it's in the news this weekend because the World Health Organization, WHO, W-H-O, what an acronym. That's what I say, who? <laughs> I don't need to listen to them all the time. I'm not saying they don't know anything, but I know someone that's higher. I know someone that's greater. And he has the world in his hands. Listen to this. They're saying, ah, something worse than COVID is on its way. Have y'all heard that? Listen to their numbers. 20 times worse. That's what the World Health Organization has delivered in the news this week. 20 times worse. Well, that just makes you want to go, oh, oh, I hope. And and I'm going to tell you, they propagate themselves on fear. They want to build your fear. They want you to put your trust in whatever they say to protect you. I've got news for you. I have a God that's already for me. I have a God that's already here. I have a God that can. Well, Brother Axel, what bad things are going to happen? Bad things happen all the time. But I'm not going to give credit to them. I'm going to say thank you, Jesus, for always being with me. You said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. And no matter what the outcome is, he's still in control. I'm going to still serve him. I'm going to still live for God. God's still going to have revival. God's still going to have church. There's going to be miracles. There's going to be healings. God's going to do what he's going to do. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. I serve a God that is for us. Hallelujah. And he is the ultimate example of a shepherd's heart. When he looks down and sees the hurting and he sees the pain, you'll hear him say, no, no, stop. I'll take that place. And you look and he was nailed to the cross for you. Praise God. He shed his blood for you. Jesus I come to you this morning because you're able. I come to you this morning because there's nothing too great for you. You have all power in heaven and in earth. And Lord, we ask this morning that you would just minister into hearts and lives and help us to hear your voice and to know that you're still in control. You have a heart that cares for me. And I thank you for it. I thank you, Lord, that one day you said, no, not on my watch, but I'm going to die for them. I'm going to take their place.